0: What a wonderful service thus far. If you love the Lord and you don't care who knows it, clap your hands and give God big praise. Well, let's see. If God's been real good to you, clap your hands and give God big praise. Now, help me thank God for my friend, my brother, for almost 20 years now. Give God praise for Pastor Conway Edwards. And then his wife is one of my favorite communicators of the gospel. Uh, I tell him that all the time. She's my favorite. I like, I like her way better than I like him. Come on, give God praise for Jada Edwards. I need your, you know me and I know you. I need your prayers. You know how this works. I'm going to preach. You're going to talk back to me. Uh, if you don't know how to talk back to me, I'm going to tell you what to say. Uh, and then you just say what I say, amen. Um, I, I I got tired of coming looking like the uh, old Baptist preacher with my suit on. And many days I was the only one in the room with my suit on. And so I decided to wear my tennis shoes and all of that today. Uh, but don't let that fool you. I'm still a Baptist preacher. <laughs> so, I mean, I promise I need you to... Uh, act like I got a robe on and holler back at me. You hear me? We thank you, God, for your blessings. Way more than we can express. We thank you, God, for your favor. Far more than we deserve. You've been real good to us. And we look beyond, you've looked beyond our faults and you've met our needs. So we come to this moment and I pray that you hide me behind your glory. And that you speak through me and speak for me. Think with my mind. Let no flesh glory. That you speak to your children. We need to hear what it is you have to say. To the end, that souls are saved and lives are changed. And ultimately, you're glorified. Give fresh anointing and preaching power. We're listening. We want to hear what it is you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. The book is St. Luke. The chapter is 5. We'll begin with verse 1. The book is Luke. The chapter is 5. And we'll begin with verse 1. Um, I'm going to start reading. You probably haven't gotten it, but for time's sake, let me just start reading, and you'll catch me there. Luke 5, 1. It says, Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesareth, and the crowd was pressing in on him, to hear the word of God, he saw two boats um, there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets he got into one of the boats and the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little away uh, put out a little away from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat When he had finished speaking, he said, "Simon put out uh, into the deep water and let down your nets uh, let down your nets for a catch and and there it 's when um Simon answered him, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. I want to stop right there for time's sake. And your lesson is coming all the way from one, verse 1 to verse 11. But for time's sake, Master, we have worked all night long and caught nothing. And and I said to the other service, I'll say to you that um I just that's what I want to preach about. Nothing. Nothing. Dealing with nothing. It's it's gonna be strange when you gotta tell somebody today what the preacher talked about and you're gonna have to answer them and say nothing. <laughs> nothing. Um, some of the saints of St. Saint Luke are here, so thank God for those of you I see scattered that are that live here now. Um God bless you. I love you. I, I don't know if I am, but I consider myself a go-getter. I would like to think I uh, live a very productive life. Uh, I I would like to say that I'm a hard worker, I'm a family man, I'm a pastor. Now I'm a student yet again working on another degree. Um, I try to be productive. I try to make each one of my days productive. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'm so uh, drawn to being productive and committed to being productive that it's frustrating when I end a day and feel like I didn't get everything done I was supposed to get done. It, it's irritating, especially when you've been to work all day and you feel like you got nothing done. Um, I, I try to be productive uh, because I don't know, but I think I have some company in the room that there is little more frustrating than feeling stagnated. There, there's something like there's something frustrating, and I don't I can't think of too many more things in life as you do day to day life than feeling like you're stuck in a spot that you're not producing, you're not getting anything done, you're not getting anything back for your efforts. Uh, Billy Preston even wrote a song about it in 1974. Uh, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something if you want to be with me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wake up on Saturday mornings, I listen to gospel on Sundays, but uh, <laughs> and I'm saved, I'm sanctified, but I, I love the blues. I actually love the blues and country western. I, I like driving to country western because they have such wonderful stories, and I listen to the blues on Saturdays because it'll help you clean up the house. <laughs> and, and I just like the blues because the blues, like Vernon Garrett says, I ain't going down trying to hold you up. I like the blues and, and uh, like like I can do bad all by myself. I don't need any help from no one else because we're just not all right coming up with nothing. Empty handedness it's not all right. Preach, pastor. Um, In our text today, uh, we find Jesus who approaches. uh, uh, Yeah, Peter, do your work, Alexander. And there, uh, you're going to make me go fast by just, just pushing me through the sermon. And there, when Jesus walks up on Peter, he's really silently dealing with his frustration of nothingness. And and if Jesus had never challenged him in the area of nothingness, you wouldn't have known, yeah, that he was even struggling with his nothingness. He says nothing in the text. He does nothing but the, uh, the usual. He's going through the motions, but he's really frustrated because most of us who have, uh, yeah, something about ourselves, we don't put our business on Facebook and we don't post our troubles and we don't wear our heartaches on our sleeves because we really don't want you in our business anyway. And, and so we will post pictures of people in our family like we really love them, although we don't like anybody in the picture. and. You will you, post a picture of you and your husband holding hands, but you can't stand the joker right now. I'm telling you because um, a lot of us have learned how to deal with our frustration silently, and we go through the motions yeah, because our mama or our daddy taught us what goes on in this house. You, you grew up in my house, stays in yeah this house, and so we've learned how to cover it up. And so we even come to church, and we even smile, and we even clap, and some of you can't say amen because you're frustrated with the one sitting next to you just bow your head because you look like you got it all together, but you're coming up with nothing. And can I get a witness that, that can be honest today? Come on, scoot up. Uh, you didn't move. Scoot up. That being be, coming up with nothing is frustrating. And so Jesus comes up to Peter because Peter's dealing with uh, nothing, and he catches him, the text says, while he's washing his net. And and, and, and although it's not one of my points to my sermon, it's going to help me get there because he's washing his net. And notice now, he's not throwing his net away, although he's frustrated. He's only washing it to put it up for now. He's taking a temporary pause from a failed fishing trip to put it up with the hopes of maybe some other time, some other day, some other space in time, trying it again. But Jesus stops him when he's on his way to a temporary pause and challenges him to keep going. Can I tell you why I, Eric Alexander, thinks he does that? It's because you have to be careful when you take breaks when you're already frustrated because when you're already frustrated, it's so easy for a temporary break to turn into a permanent condition. That's why in my years of pastoring, I've been pastoring one church for 25 years now. When couples come and say, we're not getting divorced. We just want to take a break. I just want to move out. I just want to take a break. The last thing you want to do when you're frustrated is to try to take a break because what you meant to be one month could turn into two years. Why? Because it's hard to go back when you're already frustrated. Like people who want to take a break from church and somebody's going to help me. You were only planning on staying at home for like one or two Sundays to take a break a break and it turned into two three months and it was hard it's like the people who took a break from the gym and now you're like paying tides to gym because you just they just keep getting your money and you don't even know they got new equipment you don't even know the gym name changed why because you were only taking a break and you've never been back. It's like when you try to take a cheat day from your diet and it was only supposed to be a cheat day and now five months later you're still cheating. It's dangerous to take a break when you're already frustrated. It's like when you're exercising and you're running and you hit that wall and you want to stop, don't stop. You got to get past that wall in your running because if you stop, you're probably not going to start back. So Jesus comes and catch Peter. Preach, Alexander. (laughs) Jesus comes and catch Peter. I've been coming here for 13 years. You ought to know this by now. Preach, Alexander. And and says, I I don't want you to stop right now because maybe you're so frustrated that if you stop right now, you won't start back. Who am I talking to? You right there, just about to stop. Then you come to church today and you don't want to hear me because I'm trying to talk you out of stopping. So really, let's deal with why Peter is frustrated, because maybe if we discover why Peter is frustrated, we can identify why we're so frustrated. Peter is frustrated with nothingness, but he's frustrated because he's done the work. Listen to what he says to, to, to Jesus. He says, Master, I've told, I've told. I'm coming to the all-night part, but let's just deal with the I told. I put the work in. And I'm frustrated because I would understand coming up with nothing if I've done nothing. But it's hard to accept nothing from an area I put the work in. I need about 10 more of y'all to help me right there. I get nothing From nothing leaves nothing. But what I don't get is when I've given my everything and I still get nothing. I mean, there's some times in my life I've come up with nothing and I could not be upset because I understood why I got nothing. I did not do the work. But there are other times when I'm frustrated because I've given it all I had. And I still came up with, somebody shout nothing. So Peter's frustrated because I've done the work. And and, and so right before the pandemic started in 2020, I started on keto. And so I was on the keto diet, you know, giving up bread, giving up sugars, uh, giving up life. (laughs) Just life as you know it just, just goes out the window. Uh, because I was determined not to be that big Baptist preacher, you know, the big one, and I was turning into the the big black Baptist preacher, and I was trying not to be the big you know, the real big one, he looks like he can preach only because he's so big and so I was trying not to be that guy, and uh, I, you know, and so since we were stuck in the house, I had time to prepare all these meals and exercise and go run the neighborhood because we had nothing else to do. And so I, you know, I, I was eating right. I lost 20 pounds in like two or three months, and I was way down and yeah, feeling all skinny and fine. Yes, and um, and you know, and when some of my members would see me somewhere, they said, "Oh, Pastor, you look good." And you know, I'd be smiling, "Bless you, bless you, praise God." praise the lord and they were like i was even at a funeral trying to bury somebody and they didn't close their eyes when i said ash dash i was like close your eyes they're like man look at you i like, praise god hallelujah god is good then they opened the restaurants back up (laughs) and outside open and something happened the lord gives The Lord takes it back, and sometimes he'll give it back to you again. But I couldn't get mad because I stopped doing the work. But it's something about being in a marriage when you're giving it all and then you're getting nothing back. And it's something about being a parent that's giving everything you got and getting nothing back. And it's something about being on a job and you're giving it all you got and getting nothing back. It's something about doing the Christian walk and paying your tithes and doing your prayers and feeling like you're getting nothing back. It's something about not not when you go to work late, take an extended lunch, and you get off at 4, but you start packing up at 3, you're already at the car by 3.30, and you've been pretending to work because they've been pretending to pray talk to me somebody i'm talking about when you go to work early you stay later you're training folks they're not paying you for you're doing other folks work you're saying this is not volunteer services i'm not doing this for he says i've done and i want to take roll just so you know i got the right sermon some of y'all tripping i just want y'all to know i got the right sermon is there anybody in here frustrated because you've put in way too much work to be coming up with nothing? Just hold your hand up. Told you I had the right sermon. I've done the work. While we were stuck in the house with, in quarantine, my 16-year-old, who was like 14, about to go 15 at the time, uh, I was talking to him because he had done something. He really had been mean to his little brother. And he's, while I was uh, talking, he got ready. his feet got ready to walk off from me. Got ready. (laughs) About to. (laughs) They were in motion to walk off from me, but he forgot I'm a Baptist preacher that's kind of Pentecostal, so I believe in laying hands. (laughs) So he was like Peter, but he wasn't walking on water. He was just walking on air. I just... I grabbed him, and, and we had a laying on hand service, and... And they always work. He got healed instantly. Just somebody talked to me. He got delivered. I'm a six foot, 200 and something, something pound man. And you're about to walk off from me. We just laid hands. He got delivered and I started fussing. I said, all the stuff I go through hard as I work trying to be a good dad, then I just started having flashbacks. Everything I gave up, trying to make sure you jokers got a good life and you're gonna walk, have you lost your mind I brought you in? You understand, I took you out. And I said, "Have you, I mean, do you see? I've never missed any school function. I never miss anything for you, paying this money for you to be in the band. I'm doing this. And then when he walked off and I thought I was done, I thought about it. He was in the room with the door closed. I went and pushed it open my door. This my door, this my bed. I can't fit them, but them my clothes. <laughs> then I was walking out, and then I said, and another thing. <laughs> I'm only letting you live here, and when you're 18, you're getting out. But what I'm trying to tell you is I worked too hard to come up with nothing. It's Frustrating when you're giving it all, I feel like you're getting nothing in return. Who am I talking to? Told all night, all night, all night, all night. Not only have I worked hard, but I've worked long. I put my time in. I'm not one of these fly by nights who expect God to do it like a genie and just as soon as I pray, everything's happened. But He says, I've worked hard and then I've worked long. I put my time in. And sometimes you're frustrated because you've been at it too long not to have a better product, a better outcome, a better result. I've been doing this too long not to be further along down the the line. Birthdays can mess you up because while people are singing happy birthday, sometimes you're thinking I should be further along than this by now. Master, I've taught all night long, I've caught nothing. And that's the other thing I don't need you to do, I don't want you trying to spiritualize my nothingness. Trying to make me not feel bad about nothing by telling me, you know, you're blessed, you got a good job, a good family. You don't want to hear all that when you're dealing with nothing. You, you know, you got a great house, I don't want to go to it. <laughs> got a beautiful spouse, don't like them right now. <laughs> Thank God for a job. Yeah, but they're not treating me right and so sometimes people try to take your right to be frustrated and i just want to give you a minute right quick to say it's all right that you're frustrated with nothing and and, and so he's frustrated with nothing but here it is jesus says to him go out launch out to the deep let down your net for a cat catch he pushes back and says master i've toiled all night long and i've caught nothing so so not only frustrated because i've done the work he's also resistant to a message of hope he's resistant to the message of hope what do you mean? He's concrete about his finish. He's confused about his failure, but he's concrete about his finish. Confused about my failure because I've done what I was supposed to do, not to have failed. And now God meets me in my place of failure, preach Alexander. And now he's trying to challenge me in an area I'm already concrete about my finish. What do you mean? You ought to catch me when I'm tired. Don't catch me when I'm done. Because when I'm done, I'm done. If I'm still fussing about it, you got a chance. If I'm still talking about it, who am I talking to? Just wave at me. you got a chance. But when I'm done with it, I'm done with it. And when I'm done with it, I don't want you trying to give me some, some some major word in that area. I'm done with that area. I've let it go. I've buried it. I put it up somewhere. I don't want you pulling me over to the corner after church, trying to pray for me in an area I'm done with. I've already prayed about that. And this is what I told the Lord. It's yours. I'm done. And, and, so, and so when I get to a place of doneness and when I get to a place of frustration, I can get so far in my frustration, I can't hear any message of hope I'm resistant to it can I tell you why though It's, it's hard to hear when you're dealing with emptiness because emptiness can get loud on you what do you mean? 1 Kings 17 verses 8, 9, around in there, God says to uh, uh, Elijah, uh, uh, arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon. There I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. And then he gets there and he says, and Elijah says to her, uh, I need some bread. And she says, I don't have it. Go back. God says, I've commanded E.D. I've already told her to provide for you. And then he gets there, Elijah, and she says she doesn't have it. I said, well, God says he told her. She says she doesn't have it. Somebody has to be lying. Well, let's go down the list. God is a man that cannot lie. So he cannot be the one lying because God cannot lie. But then I looked in her hand and she don't have it. I said, how is it that God commanded her something and she is not aware of it because her empty barrel was so loud she couldn't hear God. And sometimes the emptiness in my life is so loud I can't hear anything else. So he pushes back. Not, not, not because I'm, I'm working with a little, but I've caught nothing. Master, I've taught all night long, and I've caught nothing. Have you ever said, just give me something to work with? Yeah. <sighs> but here it is. Let me see. I'm almost done, by the way. Come here. So he's resistant to the message of hope. And here's another reason he's re- resistant to the message of hope, and that is because he's mending his nets. He's fished all night. Caught nothing, but he's mending nets. Let's try it again. He's fished all night, but caught nothing. Why do you have to repair a net if you caught nothing? What's to mend if you caught nothing? Can I help you? A whole lot of nothingness. Or nobody's will tear your life up and leave you nothing to show for it. I mean, it it, it 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 may be something, but nothing at the same time. Like like somebody may have messed your life up so bad you don't even call their name anymore. You say, "Who is it? Nobody." <laughs> That's not what their mama named. <laughs> That's what you've named. As a matter of fact, let me show you how it can be something and nothing at the same time. If you've ever been married to a woman and you've ever made her real mad and you've gone home after she hadn't spoken to you for like two days and say, what's wrong? If she says nothing, it's because you've gone so far. She does not even want to dignify your question with an answer. She walking around like you don't even exist. What she's really saying is not only is it nothing. I wish I had some here. Right now, you ain't nothing either. <laughs> and all you getting out of me, joker, is nothing. Nothing. Peter is mending his net because he caught nothing. Then Jesus comes and invites him to try again. That's where I'm going. The frustration of doing the work and getting nothing. The resistance to a message of hope. And then here comes Jesus saying, try it again. He's being coached back to his faith. He, he's been confused about his failure. He's been concrete about his finish, and so now he has to be coached back to faith. What do you mean coach back to faith? You just can't drop me back in some areas because I'm too done with them. And so he coaches him back to faith. He gives him an invitation to enter a process because, yeah, where you are now is not a place that you get to go to with God. Where you are now is a place that you get to grow to, to God. And, and it's not going to happen because you ran around the church three times. And it's not going to happen because you did jumping jacks in church. And it's not going to happen because you quoted some scriptures. There's some places and sometimes you got to grow up to it. The text is tailored to teach us that you can discover new dimensions in Christ when you allow him to take your Christian life to places you've never been before. But, It will only happen for mature believers because there are some levels he invites you into the process of growing there. Because if you get there without growing there, you'll lose it. And some of us trying to get to a place without growing to a place. And it's dangerous to get to a place without growing to a place because if you don't grow there, you won't be able to handle it. And so God has no problem with what you're wanting, he's saying, but you have to be willing to grow there because if I, listen, if I allow you to arrive there without the growth required prior to getting there, you will damage it and you will be back to nothing. So what it is, I have no problem with you getting development in that area and advancement in that area and promotion in that area and blessings in that area. I'm a master of blessing people. But what I've noticed is that if you get to a place without the maturity and the spiritual development, you will destroy that place. So there comes a season where God is not a, gets where you're trying to get he's just saying grow there and what if god has hid or has placed your blessing on the other side of your growth and when i say grow to it grow up i mean get closer to jesus when i say grow up i mean better in your discipleship time better in your prayer time better in the things god has called you to be and do Because here's the problem with him coaching me. He gives me new vision, but he does not change my visual. He gives me a fresh word, but he wants me to do it on the same lake. And sometimes the reason it's hard for me to obey God is because I don't want to do it on this lake anymore because I'm done with this lake. And what do you do when God gives you a new assignment, but on the same lake? Because we who fish have a, this tendency when we come up with nothing to blame two things, the lake or the fish. We'll say that this is not a good spot to fish in or we'll say the fish weren't biting. And what do you do when God says, stay right here, but just try again? Because to require God gives you new job, new family, new spouse, new church, new location is also to imply he's not God of where you are right now. Master, we've taught all night long and we've caught nothing. And he says, go back to that same lake. So it's an invitation to obey. Obey, obey. It's not an answer to beg for more. Is to obey more because the power of your life for your next moves is wrapped up in your obedience to God's words. And I know we have a whole lot of prosperity gospel and a whole lot of people telling you, if you just run, you'll do it. If you just shout Jesus name three times, it'll happen. The answer is in your obedience to God's word. Let me see. I went to the gym a few months ago, and when I went to the gym a few months ago, uh, I saw Vince there. Vince Vince was there, and Vince was uh, getting ready to lift. He's a, com- a competitive uh, weightlifter, and he was getting ready to squat, and uh, he had his knees all wrapped up, getting ready to squat, and as he was getting ready to squat, he had his knees wrapped up. He got under the bar. He takes some deep breaths because he, he he's competitive, and he's always squatting hundreds and hundreds of pounds. He's won a few competitions for squatting but he gets in position he gets in position, preach Alexander he gets in position and he puts the bar on his shoulder, do it Alexander and he takes deep breaths, preach man, and he's he's getting ready for the bar and I'm standing there in amazement because he's in position with his knees wrapped and, and, and his workout partners are standing there and he takes about two or three deep breaths he's like, <gasps> and then he goes down and then he comes back up and he takes a breath and he racks the bar back and there's only one problem and as I stand there in amazement there were no weights on the bar and I'm confused because he did all of this practicing and breathing and the knees wrapped and he was in position position, but there was no weights on the bar I stood there he said what's up pastor I said I believe you just gave me an illustration for a sermon because I would have to assume that because the weights are not there You're practicing, you're practicing your form. So so when weights are added, you will be able to lift them. And when you're obeying God on a good day, you're practicing your form. And when you're praying on a good day, you're practicing your form. And when you're living right on a good day, you're practicing your form. Can I tell you why? Because a day is coming. When life is going to add some weight to you. And if you haven't been dipping on a good day, you won't be able to handle it on a bad day. Somebody's trying to figure out how you've been through, all you've been through, and you're still standing. You can tell them I was obeying Him before the storm came. Somebody's trying to figure out how you've gone through what you've gone through. And you still got your right mind. And you can tell them I didn't start reading the Bible when life got hard. I was reading it on a good day. I was practicing my form so when life started adding weight, I could still handle it. Master, I've told all night, caught nothing. Sometimes you can hear the answer to your problem in your complaint. Just listen to yourself sometimes. You talk too much. And, and, And in your own complaining, you can find your answer. I've told all night, can we talk to Peter for a minute? Peter, look around. It's not the same this time. He says, what do you mean? Same net. Not the same, Peter. Same boat. Not the same, Peter. Same lake. But it's different. You were doing all that work, but you were doing it in the dark. The difference is, come on, go with me. You were doing it without the sun. You were trying to make life work in the absence of the sun. Y'all slow this morning. I don't care how hard you work, the sun makes the difference. I don't care how long you stay at it, it's the sun that makes the difference. Not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. He makes the difference. Peter goes out, and I'm telling you, try again. But when you try this time, I'm saying try in obedience to the word. I'm saying try with the son this time. I don't care how much you've done before now. You can go back to that same area. And try again. Peter goes back out fishing. He catches so many fish. His neck could not handle it. He catches so many fish. His boat could not handle it. He catches so many fish. He catches so many fish. He calls partners and they couldn't handle it. He catches so many fish. Their neck couldn't handle it. Can I tell you why? When you do it God's way, he'll bless you in ways that cannot be explained. When you do it God's way, he'll fix your life so it won't make sense. When you do it God's way, he'll turn it around in ways you could not have imagined. Somebody's looking at you right now trying to figure out how you've been through what you've been through. And you've made it like you made it. All you can say is God did it. Somebody's trying to figure out how you hit nothing and still have joy. All you know to say is God did it. Somebody's trying to figure out how you still have your right mind. And all you can say is God did it. Because when you do it God's way, all you can say is everything that happened to me that was good, God did it. I can't explain it. I can't figure it out. I can't work it out. You can't Google an answer. All I know is when God is for you, he's more than the world is against you. So this is what I'm saying. Try it again. But try it this time, God's way, with the son. I know you've gotten to a spot where you were about to give up a spot where you were very frustrated. But I need you to leave today saying, I'm going to try it again, God's way. This is where I need you to be honest. Sometimes it's saying, look, I call it a call for the verdict of the sermon. If you're here and you really came to church this morning with an area you were frustrated in and really ready to wash your hands, And you've heard God speak to you by way of his word. Not to give up, but to try again. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your friends. I need you to stand right where you are. As a commitment, I'll try it again. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your friend. That could be marriage, that could be work, that could be church, that could be your spiritual walk, that could be family. But if, you're, if it's you, and be honest, I really had washed my hands, I really was just done. It could be a friendship, a relationship. I've just done, I've come up with nothing too many times in that area, and I'm really just kinda over it. And even while I was preaching, you're like, I hear that, but I'm kinda, I've already put that to rest. And you don't even wanna awaken it again. And you've heard God say, no, no, it could be school, it could be a business, a career, whatever it is. I mean, it's a plethora of things. And you hear God say, try it again my way. Try it again with me. And you don't want to, because it's the same lake. And you're saying, no, I need a new lake. I'm not going there again. And you hear God say, come on, it's about a few more people need to stand up. Just stand up and say, I'll try it again. I see you, I see you. Sometimes we run from the sermon shouting and screaming. Sometimes we dance. But today, the word is, don't leave here stuck on nothing. Try it again. Lift your hands to the Lord. I just want to pray for you. We thank you, God, for word. We thank you, God, for word. Not a word that says when we shout it'll all get better. Not a word that says when we turn around, life will be perfect. But a word that invites us to enter into the process of obeying you, trusting you, following you living for you. And we're real honest. There's some areas we're so frustrated that we've come up with nothing. We're so frustrated with it. But we make a commitment to you today. We'll do it your way. Then in our faith we say thank you. Because you can take our nothing and blow our minds in such a way we won't be able to explain it. So we thank you that we give you our nothing. And we can't wait to see what you do while we follow you. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, give God big hand claps of praise.